welcome to the first episode of One Step Ahead, where we get a peek inside the minds of the nation's most forward-thinking leaders to understand how changing consumer behavior is driving industries to rethink normal. Today, I'm sitting down with James Rogers, the head of operations at the Envision Accelerator, a venture partner at Contrary Capital, and a venture fellow at Republic. James sits at the intersection of culture and technology, and he's also 20 years old. James, thanks for joining. Yeah, yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, so, me. Sorry. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, well, just to get things kicked off, I mean, what are you work in a few different spaces in uh, in venture capital, right? Yeah. So, what are some of the most exciting startups that you're seeing come through right now? Yeah, so I've seen some really, really diverse startups. Anything from kind of really amazing internal dev tool companies to really great creator tool companies to um, emerging African fintech. And there's really exciting stuff on the horizon. I'd love to talk about any of those sectors and kind of go into specific startups as well. Yeah. Really, really cool. It's such a diverse range of, of things coming in. Well, out of these patterns, I mean, what are some of the, or out of these companies, what are some of the patterns you're seeing? Where are they mostly focused? Yeah. So, so I think one really um, interesting trend that's popping up is uh, this concept of the passion economy. Um, it's kind of like this futuristic view of the workforce that's um, proposed by Legion that's focused on kind of a world in which people are kind of all freelancers and people are allowed to monetize their own skills, monetize their own likeness and monetize their own narratives into kind of creating their own content, um, directly having their skills shown in like different marketplaces and not necessarily being employed, but everyone is a freelancer for themselves. So that's a pretty cool trend that's popping up right now. Yeah, for sure. Super interesting. Do you think? Do you think that's how much of the, how much of that do you think is relevant to COVID? Right. I mean, how much of that has has kind of risen in the last year or so since since the pandemic hit? Or do you think this is more? Do you think this is a trend here to stay? Yeah. So I think it is a trend here to stay because I I don't know if we can totally uh, measure the impacts of COVID yet. I think that's totally changed consumer behavior and totally changed um, the sentiment. Uh, towards kind of like the creator economy and creator tools. Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing that's super interesting there is like the remote work trend that's changed kind of the whole prep, like the whole proposal that you can now work from anywhere. You can now work with anyone and you can work on your own timeline has totally changed the way people think about occupations and everyone can work from anywhere now in a in virtual environment, which has changed the pay structure entirely. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, why do you think these things are happening? Right. I mean, the, the passion economy, you know, the idea of NFTs are super popular right now, just finding yeah. ways to make money. I mean, why, what behavioral changes or behavioral differences, you know, in this generation uh, are making this happen? Yeah. So, so I think there's a couple um, really big inflection points. I think COVID was probably one of like the biggest shakes in the economy since like the Great Depression. And I think um, that mass amount of like unemployment, that mass amount of new stimulus checks coming in made people kind of rethink how they're getting money. Um, I think now kind of our generation is much more focused on kind of like investing, creating some form of generational wealth. And also there's, I've seen trends that people are really more focused on being like a content creator than like a doctor now that they want to put their own narratives out there that they admire people who are telling their own stories and who are selling their own skills as opposed to someone who's gone down that entire occupational pipeline. And I think we're kind of changing 
um, the roles of status a little bit. Changing the roles of status. Yeah. How, how let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, why, why are people now viewing, you know, this idea that you can be a content creator as a, as a kind of equal path to becoming, you know, as opposed to being a doctor? Yeah. So, so I think there's a couple things to unpack there. I think one is um, the load of education, the amount you have to work to be a doctor is not entirely like the most enticing thing for um, someone in Gen Z or like a millennial. Um, it's becoming increasingly more expensive. Um, the opportunity cost is increasingly higher and it's incredibly difficult to achieve. Whereas something like a content creator is equally as difficult to scale and achieve, but you're, you don't have to go through all those hoops. And at scale, you have much more fame. You can pretty much live on your entirely own schedule. You only sell what you produce and you're not necessarily reliant on others or other institutions to support you. Well, who's a good example of someone who's doing that well right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one really good example is uh, Lenny Richitsky. Lenny Richitsky writes this really good um, product newsletter, and he kind of went from, this isn't specifically a doctor, but he went from being kind of this really prevalent product manager at like Airbnb um, to pretty much totally collecting his own thoughts and selling a really popular newsletter that people subscribe to for $150 a year. That's been incredibly successful. And honestly, the entire product community is rallying around his insights. So now instead of kind of working in the field, working at, in startups, working kind of at that boilerplate, he's focused on producing his own thoughts, helping others. And he can do that on his time, on his schedule and just produce the best content possible. Yeah. And Lenny, is he kind of a millennial age, you know, convert, uh, person or is he you think he's older or younger yeah i, I think he's older um okay. lenny lenny's definitely older but i think that even with that trend that generation isn't used to kind of being creators i, I think right. what lenny kind of represents too is that like if like the older generation is starting to adopt something that means that gen z is even going even farther into full force like you look at people like david dobrik and like people who right. are like youtube and tiktok influencers you see them monetizing their own likeness getting involved in any project they want like dispo and then just pretty much working on their schedule and their time and just making wholesome relatable content that they share with the world and that the world can yeah see. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, David, uh, David Dobler is a great example, but also Mr. Beast, you know, who took his, yeah. his, his brand and, and made, you know, Beast Burgers and, and all those, you know, different, different monetization strategies. But, you know, as someone in, in venture capital, right, like if, if our trends, if the trends you're seeing are kind of moving towards these more creator focused roles, I mean, where does VC come into that? Like you talk about these tools that are being made for them, but do you think this, shift toward, towards people, you know, going towards content creators versus product managers or is going to affect your role in venture capital? I, I think it 100% will. Um, and I think like, if you look at certain venture capital firms like Atelier or Blake Robbins has a really progressive firm that's invested in companies like Stir, they're really focused on taking advantage of this trend, taking advantage of the passion economy and using it to generate both wealth for their LPs and to kind of generate the future. Um, I think, if you're going to be a good VC, you have to invest in what you see as the future, what you see as companies that are going to pop off. And you can't do that by being incredibly safe. You're looking for unicorns, not necessarily like two times returns. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, looking into the future, where do you see things going? Right. What are some of the predictions that you have, um, you know, for the startups that it will succeed in the next two, five or 10 years? 
Yeah. So I think one, so I think there's a couple of things. I think the barrier for entry into startups is only getting lower. Um, I think kind of the evolution of no code and low code tools um, are going to make it so that tons of creators, tons of creator tool developers, and pretty much anyone can create any product without a ton of technical knowledge. Um, stuff like Webflow, Notion, Super.so, Airtable all allow you to pretty much create sites, create MVPs um, within kind of like an hour with a learning curve. So I think that's going to change the entire landscape of startups. And that's why investing in low to no code is incredibly important. I think also the with the future of work and remote tools are going to be super important. I think remote is probably here to stay to some extent. Um, I think obviously COVID has changed the landscape of how we work and people are still yearning for that kind of person to person interaction. But I think that a hybrid model is going to be incredibly prevalent and incredibly normalized. Um, and I also think that honestly, that creator tool trend is here to stay. I think people are kind of over this um, jumping through hoops, going through tons of education to reach outcomes and, and people want to just monetize their knowledge that's siloed off their content and show it to everyone around them. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. And, and I think, you know, this concept that you keep bringing up of, of people being over the time that education you know, requires that people aren't, aren't as interested in being doctors because it takes, you know, 15 years to become a doctor. And, and now people are, you know, again, like you said, removing the hoops and going to the next step you know, sooner. Um, why do you think that is like, what, what, is, what about our generation is making people think, and making people do, you know, the actions of, of actually just kind of skipping that step. Yeah. I mean, I, I think our generation, um, first off is the most connected technologically. Um, we have access in the past individual creators weren't prevalent because you can access them. There wasn't an easy way to spell your thoughts like Substack. There wasn't an easy way to show video content like YouTube. There wasn't a way to show short form video content like TikTok. Now that's kind of changed the game and you have access to what everyone produces. You can see it in real time whenever you want. And that encourages you to produce your own content because these platforms are so easy to use. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you think about our generation and, and just growing up, right, with, with that exposure at our hands, um, super challenging to think about you know, what for the people growing up now right like those even even past gen z like what kind of impact this will have you know on them you know, the fact that tiktok is something they're born into um i yeah. mean something something to think about not sure if you have any thoughts on on kind of the, the, the next generation down the road yeah um i mean i think like tiktok has shown that creating short form versions of content um that are easily digestible easily accessible um and that are shown in feeds is incredibly compelling they did pretty much like what vine was never able to do sustainably um and i think that's kind of the future of content short form uh really easy to, to digest um really great recommendation tools and really accessible creators and, and i think that can be generalized to knowledge sharing i think that can go across music i think that can go across news and, and i think that's kind of what a lot of these knowledge sharing platforms are going to move towards. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it seems like that's where things are going and, you know, it's only, it's only growing in significance right now um, yeah. among, among people in our generation. We're seeing things like, um, you know, Snapchat become um, just starting to, starting to play a more active role as well, even though it's been around for a while. 
um, just as they seek to, to, to gain a deeper understanding and, and kind of integration into our culture too. Um, but for you, for you as a venture capitalist, what are you most excited about in, in your role? I mean, what, what, what are things that you kind of see through your work that you just, uh, you know, want to talk about all day? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is supporting, um, at least for me, supporting diverse and underrepresented founders who are, are creating the future. Um, I think that I, as far as venture capital, um, the future is going to be diverse perspectives um, that are leading to innovation and supporting those founders. It's not all about just the business concepts, but it's about people um, and having that connection, supporting founders throughout their journey and aiding people and kind of like creating the future and giving them the resources as they kind of trailblaze. I think it's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, and, and you talk about our generation, right? Known as kind of the most diverse generation uh, that's been you know existing yet. And, and I think that perspective of, of being able to support those underrepresented founders is, is only going to you know, become more important as our generation enters, enters into our entrepreneurial you know, phase for those of us who haven't already. Um, but like, do you think, what do you think are the, the keys to being able to support uh, underrepresented founders in, in a solid way? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the first thing is just recognizing that underrepresented talent um, can have tangible impact. Uh, I think right now there's um, certain sectors are cut off, um, certain founders are being overlooked. And, and I think the thing that's really important for venture capitalists to do is first um, diversify their organizations um, because diverse organizations lead to better deal flow, lead to better returns. And I think the second aspect of that is making sure that your deal flow is diverse. If you're looking at an entirely basic echo chamber of just friend to friend connections, that's not going to spur any innovation. But if you have an application basis or you're looking at everything that goes through your email and you're looking at different communities for deal flow, that will lead to innovative ideas that will lead to innovative companies that deserve to be invested in. And that will lead to returns. So what's the first step then if in, in, you know, obviously you said, you know, creating that diverse talent within within team how do you do that right for 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 any teams right now that that may not be at that stage what where do you start with that yeah i I think it's not an easy task um it's i think the first thing is to have a a team retro to honestly look at both your hiring practices and your deal flow, flow practices if you realize that there is a lack of diversity in either um then i would suggest that you as a team come together and revise those. A really good first step is to look at different communities that are promoting diverse talent. Look at something like Envision, look at something like there's communities popping up called, like um, there's one called Colorstack, there's one called Edlift that are all propping up really diverse tech talent. Um, Tecaria is a, a Hispanic organization that's propping up tech talent. Um, there's a lot of communities riling around this. Um, and I think too, that if you look in these communities and you talk to these community leaders and you reflect on your own cultural practices, that they'll improve, even if it's a gradual process. Yeah. Change, is, uh, change is necessary, but sometimes it's slow. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, any last thoughts on, on you know, if, if you could provide one takeaway for someone who's been listening about you know in your again in your role as as a kind of young young venture capitalist 
um, about the future, right? Where, where do yeah. people, where, do, where should people be looking in that, in that to, to get one step ahead? Yeah, I would say um, it's important to look as far as like the future of sectors. Um, I'd say it's important to look at low code, no code tools that are providing really easy barriers of entries to entrepreneurship, um, creator economy and internal tools that are changing the way we work and the way we think about the economy. And then also that is important to kind of review your own mental models and think about investing in diverse entrepreneurs, having diverse investment teams and focusing heavily on having a diverse swath of deal flow because that will improve your returns and also your ability to kind of enter that industry. Fantastic. Well, thank you, James. Heard it here from James. Uh, a lot to do and a lot of places to look, but lots to be excited for as well. So thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you.